Welcome to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast. Here, we discuss the challenging, rewarding, and life-changing process of recovering your period and finding freedom with food and exercise. Whether you're hoping to regain your cycle to get your health back on track, or you're ready to become a mama, this podcast is for you. While the recovery process isn't always rainbows and butterflies, it's my hope to bring you both information and inspiration during your own recovery journey. I'm your host, registered dietitian and fellow HA woman, Lindsay Lesson. Hello and welcome to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast. I am excited to dive in and talk about functional medicine and period loss with hypovolemic amenorrhea or HA and bring on a friend of mine who actually has some professional and personal experience with this. Dr. Miranda Naylor is an osteopathic doctor board certified in family medicine and functional medicine. She uses a root cause approach to help women get to the bottom of symptoms and optimize their health from the ground up. Dr. Naylor specializes in women's health, particularly preconception, fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood. Welcome, Dr. Naylor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. So just a little background. I know Dr. Naylor um, through a HA, hypopolemic amenorrhea, Facebook group. We connected because we both had babies in, in 2018. Is that right? Is that? Yeah. 2018 and this past year, right? Right. We lined yes. up kind of for both of the kiddos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. It's super exciting. Um, and I, I loved, you know, reconnecting with you on social media and kind of learning about what you do. It's so hard to you know, find physicians, I feel like that kind of really, you know, get, get HA in the background and everything. So I'm, I'm super excited to ask you questions and let you talk a little bit more about what you do, but I always like to just start with like a quick little icebreaker, just kind of a this or that. So, um, Mm -hmm. your dream vacation, would it be mountains or beach? Oh, beach. I love both, but yeah, to fully unwind, it's usually a beach. <laughs> yeah, which is nice because I bet you don't live too far from the beach. Is that right? I don't. I'm actually very close to the beach. <laughs> so well, you think I'd do the opposite, but I guess I'm just a fan of the beach. Well, you yeah. move, you know, you live where where you love the climate. So that's exactly that's awesome. exactly. All right. All right, personal preference: peanut butter or almond butter? Mm, almond butter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, social media channel of choice, Facebook or Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It's just so much, I feel like so much quicker, easier to find like what you're looking for than kind of totally. Yeah. It's really taking off too. with just like being able to find information, everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, you know, just like everything on social media, it's such a double-edged sword because there's so much misinformation, but there's also so much good information. If you just know know, who, who, depending on who you're looking for the information from, which would you rather have an unlimited amounts, time or money? Time. (laughs) There's never enough time, (laughs) especially as a mom, especially as a mom, especially as a, as a doctor, I'm sure. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. And then last one, coffee or tea. I'm a tea girl for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm a matcha person. Matcha tea. Yeah. Yeah. I do love the matcha latte. I actually had that recently and it was really good. So yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's jump in. Do you want to share a little bit um, just so people can maybe understand like where you're coming from in your history? Um, tell us a little bit about your personal experience with, with period loss and HA. Yeah, I'd love to. 
So when I was in family medicine residency, which is like family medicine training, um, I stopped birth control in the effort to start a family. I was like, okay, I've been doing school for so long. Now's the time. Um, and I stopped taking birth control and didn't have a period. Um, and so it's an interesting experience for me, you know, I, you know, I knew to expect, okay, it can take a few months or so. That's usually what we, um, tell people, but when it still wasn't coming, I was sort of like at a loss of what's going on. It wasn't something that I was expecting. Um, so it was a really eye-opening experience for me to then kind of like put me on this journey towards functional medicine to really change my career and my personal life a lot. I love that. And you said, you know, you guys are taught doctors and training that Mm -hmm. it can take a while to get your period back after you come off the pill. So what is a normal amount of time to go without a period when you're cycling off birth control? So usually we'll say about three months. It really depends on the person. Um, if it's been a few months, then that's where I start to get a little bit, you know, inquisitive with patients to say, okay, you know, what's exactly going on. Um, and maybe we need to talk further about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So three months, that's super helpful. And so was that, you know, how many months was it for you before you decided, okay, something's going on. Well, so even in the first few months, I kind of naively was like, I haven't had a period. Am I already pregnant? Like how easy was that? (laughs) Um, and then, you know, when I wasn't, I was like, okay, you know, it probably was a few months down the road where I'm like, this doesn't feel right. I mean, even within the first, you know, when you're in your own body experiencing it, even when the first couple months, you're like, this doesn't feel right. Like something should be happening here. Um, so pretty, you know, quickly in there, I was like something, you know, I want to know more of what's going on. And that's where I really got that personal perspective of like, I want to know exactly what's going on. I don't want, you know, just like to be told to wait, <laughs> right. which is a common thing like, Oh, just wait for a year. If you aren't mm-hmm. getting pregnant or whatever. And it's like, no. Yeah. But then when you're not getting a period too, it's like, you're not even, you're not even actively trying. Cause yeah, you know, I exactly. Going on. Yeah. So you wanted to know more, you wanted to know what's going on with my body. How did that lead you into, how did you come across HA and say, this is me, this is what I have. Yeah. Um, so it had actually been a little while on my journey that I really, um, accepted it. You know, I knew about HA, but I was like, I don't fit the picture. Um, you know, I, I was athletic somewhat, you know, I'd work out, you know, a few times a week I was doing CrossFit at the time. So it was pretty intense. Um, I had a very healthy diet, which at the time I was like, I'm very healthy. There's no problem here. And so I really like it. I, it took me a while, honestly, to like wrap my head around the, like that I had HA. Um, so I was really more going in the direction of like learning more about functional medicine, doing more, you know, learning more, um, integrative health in general, um, looking for more, you know, answers and like kind of, you know, broadening my reach as far as like looking at acupuncture and, um, you know, more holistic approach in general. Um, so long story short, it was probably a couple of years. Well, no, it was probably a year in okay. that I finally was like, okay, this is probably what's going on. Yeah. Um, and even once, you know, I think for a lot of women with HA, once you even realize that you have it, it's still a process to accept like, okay, I might need to gain weight. I might need to change the way I'm eating and exercising and all that. Um, Oh, for sure. It's a journey. It's a journey to get the answers. And then I think for most people, it's a journey to get the, um, motivation to, mm -hmm. 
really face it. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people sidestep it sometimes with fertility treatment, or if they're not ready to have a baby, it's easy to just be like, "Eh, I'll figure this out. But, 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 you know, you came across it and it it took you a while to, to really recognize that this was, you And I appreciate you bringing up that, um, you know, you didn't fit the type. And so what is the type from a medical perspective? What do you think most doctors are looking for when they're diagnosing HA? Yeah. So a lot of us, you know, doctors and just, you know, the lay person or whatever, like a lot of us are thinking, okay, you know, if we even are aware of what it is, it's the athlete, the athlete who is exercising all the time, you know, not having enough calories for, you know, their caloric app output or, you know, like how much mm-hmm. they're exercising. Um, and, and that's really the, picture we're usually thinking or of like a a really severe eating disorder where, you know, someone is actively, you know, not eating or making themselves vomit or whatever, you know, like usually more severe cases when we're really thinking about it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a a picture in probably a lot of people's heads when they think about this condition and it's either somebody um, who's incredibly malnourished eating disorder, probably inpatient eating disorder, severe, um, or it's somebody training at the, you know, Olympic professional level athlete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that makes it hard because that mm-hmm. isn't the case. For a lot exactly. Of exactly. And I think that misunderstanding gets in the way of appropriate diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, it's also hard because it's a diagnosis of, diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that you have to rule out everything else to come to that. And when, with those types of, you know, disorders or concerns, you know, it can be hard then to finally get to that diagnosis. If someone's like, well, I don't know, maybe your hormones are a little bit off. You probably have this or, you know, PCOS gets labeled on there a lot because, you know, if, um, if someone is seeing a, an OB or reproductive endocrinologist and getting an ultrasound and they find cysts, you know, you can have cysts for NHA, but they see it and they're like, oh, you probably just have PCOS. That's probably what it is. And so a lot of women get put down a different rabbit hole um, and so, yeah, it, it makes it really challenging to actually get the diagnosis and really know then what to do with it. Right. And so when in your practice, somebody comes to you and no period, and I mean, you're going to know how to screen for it because you've, you've kind of lived the experience, but how, how do you go about diagnosing it? You mentioned it's, it's exclusion. So are you just running test after test after test? And then if it's not PCOS, if it's not, you know, X, Y, or Z, then we say HA or like, how do you diagnose it? So, um, the way that I diagnose it is, you know, I will run hormone tests to see, but it's really talking to the woman in front of me, you know, in the conventional setting, unfortunately, there isn't enough time often, or there isn't like the motivation to like talk about diet and stress levels, but that's exactly like, that's the first place I go. We talk in depth about, you know, someone's diet, their relationship with food. Um, if they're just feeling stressed about food, whether or not they think they're restricting or anything, if, if eating makes them feel stressed out, that could be a big red flag. Um, you know, talking about their stress levels and, and, you know, I look at stress on the body sort of like, like any stressor that's coming in on the body. So emotional stress, um, but also physical stress, like exercise. So kind of group those all together is, are you working all the time? Are you not sleeping enough? Are you not getting enough rest? Are you just like a busy body that's always going? That might be enough to be triggering this. Um, so, 
So those are the things that I'm looking at and whether or not, you know, the numbers fit because sometimes our, our hormones could still look normal enough depending on where we're catching things. Um, but, but if they fit that picture, they're not getting a period. It's enough for me to say, that's probably what's going on. Let's, let's do something about it. I so appreciate that. So you're treating the individual. You're not looking at labs. You're not looking at BMI. You're not looking at scale weight. You're, you're asking questions about the person and their lifestyle and what's going on with them. I love that. And I think that that's, I think that that's missing in a lot of, in a lot of, you know, care settings. And so you mentioned, you know, your, your labs could be, you know, looking, I, I think I heard this correctly, seemingly normal and you could still have HA. Is that correct? Possibly. I mean, most, usually there is something that we're seeing, you know, estrogen's looking a little bit low. Um, you know, all of the hormones can be suppressed. A lot of times we're seeing a lot of like thyroid dysfunction and adrenal dysfunction in general, um, because all of those pathways are really suppressed. So usually we're seeing something, um, but even, you know, and also even like say someone comes in and we're having a conversation and then we're going to send her off to do labs often. I'm not going to wait if they, if she hasn't had a period for, you know, at least six months and she's fitting this picture, we're having this conversation already and we're doing things to address those factors before even getting the results back to, and then usually it's more confirm confirmation. Um, and also like looking at nutrient levels and things like that, that can also be playing a part or, you know, help get things back online, so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about a lot of things, you know, thyroid, adrenal dysfunction, you know, nutrient deficiencies. So it sounds like there are things you're testing for that. I know, at least in my experience and a lot of people that I've been working, that I've worked with things that aren't necessarily tested in a conventional, you know, medicine practice. And so do you want to share a little bit more about, you know, a functional medicine approach to HA and, you know, maybe even why this might be, you know, so many people go to their OB, you're not getting a period it's birth control or fertility treatment. Mm -hmm. You might go to another OB and hear the exact same thing. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, you you're in medical school, you're studying to be a, um, a physician and you decide, you know, through your own personal experience, that functional medicine is something you want to pursue. Tell us a little bit more about why that is and why you feel like that might be a different and, and maybe, maybe better for some people approach to, um, diagnosing HA correctly. Yeah. So the reason that I, you know, I, I was practicing family medicine, which was like primary care. Um, and then with this experience, my own personal experience, I realized that in general, women's health is like the, the treatment for women's health is so lacking in conventional medicine. Unfortunately, like you said, it's either birth control pills or, you know, if you have PCOS, maybe there's like one other option, like metformin. Mm-hmm. Otherwise then it's like, okay, well, let's give you some medicines to try to get you to ovulate that might not even work. And then we're done. Um, so I found it really lacking in, in, in a lot of other ways too. Um, and, in just treatment of, um, chronic disease as well. It's just, it was really missing the mark in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was enough to push me to say like, okay, I know there's a better way. Let me learn about this. And, um, and then, yeah, that's, you know, once you go, <laughs> go down that r- route, you can't look back. Um, and I was just all in from there. Um, yeah. my typical approach. So, and it's with everything, you know, with every single person who comes through my door, you know, we're, we're having a long conversation about their life and all of the things. Um, and then we're doing more comprehensive testing. Um, you know, for one, even just through a a typical lab, a lot of extra things can be done. 
Um, and also we can look at things in a different way. So, um, you're right. Like, you know, most doctors might check like a TSH and a couple hormones and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're doing is, you know, a more comprehensive approach, for example, for thyroid, we're looking at like all of the th- thyroid hormones, not just TSH, which is our brain telling our thyroid, um, to produce more or less. Um, we're looking at antibodies to the thyroid. We're looking at things like vitamin D levels, um, you know, uh, iron levels and ferritin, which is like iron storage. We're just looking at more pieces and looking at it with a closer, like looking at, um, trying to get them to an optimal range rather than just like these broad normal ranges. Um, so that's what really sets that approach apart. We're also often doing um, what we call like specialty lab testing or functional lab testing, um, just because it gives us a lot more information also. So like looking at micronutrients or organic acid testing, um, looking at like stool testing, adrenal testing. There are a lot of other things too that we'll use again, just to get a lot more information. Yeah. Get kind of a full picture. And I also appreciate you bringing up that in your practice in functional medicine in particular, is this correct that the lab ranges are, um, maybe more narrow because we're looking for an optimal range, not just a quote, normal range. Exactly. Yeah. Certain things, you know, some are, are pretty accurate, but some things like thyroid vitamin D levels, they're so broad Mm -hmm. and people can be having some issues within that normal, that quote unquote normal range. Um, so, so really looking at it with a closer, do you think that happens to Dr. Naylor with sex hormones? Like when we're looking at estrogen, I know for a fact, one time when I was still battling period loss, my estrogen was like five, but when I looked it up on like the lab corp website, it was like normal. And then if you like read the ranges, it was like normal for a premenopausal woman. So do you feel like sometimes things get missed, like with that, like just recognizing that the hormone ranges could be, be quote normal, but if we're looking at optimal or where a woman's supposed to be at in their cycle, it's, it's still low. Absolutely. Yeah. For hormones, I'm always checking them, you know, or we try, if someone is having a cycle, we're checking them at certain times to know at least kind of where to expect them. Say like on day three of the cycle, day 21 of the cycle, but for someone who isn't having a period, then we don't know, you know, we don't know where you are. And so we are looking at that with, you know, a different lens of like, okay, you know, maybe we don't know exactly what your body is doing. Maybe we need a few more time points to really see if it does seem normal. Um, being like five is pretty low regardless. Something's really bad. I mean, and, and I think it was, but at the time, you know, I, I was just told, you know, the pill, um, is gonna, it's gonna protect your bones, giving you some estrogen, like, woohoo, you're right. real. Um, yeah. so that was, that was my experience. And, and again, that was years ago and, and this was, you know, just conventional medicine. So, um, I'm curious, you know, just to backtrack a little bit on, you know, your story, story and your personal journey with AJ, I work with a lot of people in healthcare. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. that going through recovery, um, you would think it would be easier because you have all this knowledge as a physician or a physician in training about, you know, what's going on with the body at a physiological level. But I actually hear that there's a lot of challenges working in healthcare and trying to go through the recovery process. Do you mind sharing a little bit like your experience and maybe kind of what your challenges were? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're absolutely right. Like you'd think it would be easier, but sometimes the more, more knowledge isn't always better, especially if it's knowledge that could kind of get in the way. So with that, I mean, you know, like we were talking about, you know, a lot of misunderstanding and, you know, um, 
just, we have our certain ways of doing things. And if it's not working, if it's not hitting the mark, then, then it's sort of like, we have to unlearn some of those things. Um, for me personally too, I mean, it, it was also just my own, like having to realize that I wasn't as healthy as I thought I was. And like realizing that the stress, even of my training was having a negative effect on my health. Um, so that was a hard part too, where I had, especially during residency, it's like, you know, we're working as a doctor, but we're still in training and we're working these long hours overnights, you know, the training alone probably like did me in more than anything. And so that was really an interesting part of the experience where, um, there wasn't a lot I could do about my work hours for a while. And so really learning how to like work within that and start to take better care of myself. Do you think that it was the work hours? I mean, obviously the stress, right? Because it's a high stress job. Not everyone can do that job because you have to be, you know, kind of calm under pressure in some senses, but what about the child? What exactly about the work hours? Was it just that there wasn't time to eat? There wasn't time to just have the mental capacity to focus on recovery. I would say all of the above. (laughs) I mean, it would depend, you know, we'd go through different rotations and things. But yeah, some, you know, for a month straight, I'd be working just nights. And then the next month I'd be back on days, but, you know, like on my feet all the day, all day and not having a chance to necessarily like get regular meals and snacks and things. Um, Maybe like having a little too much coffee, you know, or caffeine in general, just like, you know, maladaptive things in general. And of course the stress, like just high stress, especially depending on um, different settings. Yeah. But you were able to recover and you were able to conceive naturally. Is that right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Which is such an exciting, you know, story. And I think there's so many listeners that are going to find that encouraging, um, in your practice. Now you, you work a lot with, with, uh, patients on fertility. And so when you have somebody coming to you with HA, what, what's the outcome typically are, are you seeing that people with HA are still needing fertility treatment? Or are they able to, like you, be able to get pregnant naturally? Yeah, um, most, I would say, are able to get pregnant naturally. Um, Every person's story is different. Um, And especially as we're uncovering things, you know, no no one person with any syndrome or disease is the same. So even with an HA, you know, some people have some major gut stuff that we're addressing, or, you know, some people uncover, you know, um, fibroids or, you know, different things. So, um, everyone's different, but I'd say like, it is not a given that, you know, women have to have fertility treatments, especially when we're addressing the underlying causes for the HA and we're able to heal that. Um, I'd say that most people recover. Really yeah. 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 That's awesome. So usually when HA is the only fertility issue, right? Cause we're barring other, you know, gut problems, other, um, un- you know, unforeseen fertility issues, which of course we're going to, you know, figure out as we're, mm-hmm. as we're trying to conceive, but if that's the only issue and we address the food and the exercise and the calorie imbalance and all of that, you are seeing really good outcomes. for fertility. Yeah. Yeah. When we can just go back to a normal cycle or, you know, there might be a little bit of, you know, straightening out once the, our period comes back. But, um, but then the fertility is just there, especially when we're taking an approach to really, you know, heal it appropriately and not just try to push things forward with fertility meds. I love that. I love that. And fertility is huge. You know, that's, I I think, you know, for both of us, that was probably like 
what, you know, led us down the journey of wanting to, you know, in time, heal our bodies. Um, it always takes a little time to come around on it, but you know, fertility isn't the only issue when Mm -hmm. somebody's completely missing their period, they're having no cycle at all. And so can you share a little bit, you know, from a medical perspective, what else is concerning when someone isn't having their period? Yeah. Yeah. Fertility is the biggest thing that we talk about usually because that's when women really care about missing a period. Like you said, otherwise we say, okay, it's not a big deal. I don't mind not having a period. That's when we tend to care more, but you're absolutely right. There are a lot of major health issues that can come with not having a period for a long time. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest concerns is bone loss. Um, so especially for having, for, from having low estrogen for a long period of time, we start to lose bone mineral. Um, and so we can start having like osteopenia or osteoporosis, which can be a major issue. Um, especially if it isn't addressed. Um, we also have an increased risk of heart disease which could be major again, you know, usually we're, we're talking about this in younger women. And so we don't really think about heart disease and heart attacks, but right. it actually can be an issue. Um, so that's another major one to a lesser, you know, to maybe not as severe of a degree, but very concerning. We also have like memory loss, brain mm-hmm. fog, have a lot harder time thinking, um, as well as mood changes, like feeling more anxious, depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, you know, really affect our lives. And even just like low libido and vaginal dryness, mm-hmm. those can really get in the way of, you know, relationships and everything too. So, um, there can be a lot of, a lot of issues. And like we kind of mentioned before too, suppression of our hypothalamus can also affect other pathways like our adrenals and mm-hmm. thyroid. And that can become a problem too, if we're then having low thyroid and then that's affecting other areas of our body as well. So, yeah. 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 So obviously not just a fertility issue. And I think sometimes people can just get so used to feeling a certain way, um, whether it's anxious all the time or, you know, feelings of depression, um, you know, brittle, you know, nails and hair, you know, no sex drive. They can just think like, man, maybe this is just how I am. But what I'm hearing is that it's all connected to low hormones, not having a cycle and that, right. Like by recovering, Mm -hmm. these things can also be corrected. Quality of life can be corrected. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's super encouraging. Well, what would be your advice, Dr. Naylor to somebody who's listening and they feel like, you know, maybe I do have HA, but they're not a hundred percent sure. What are the next steps for somebody? What would you recommend that they do? Yeah. So first and foremost, addressing stress, making time to rest, looking at their relationship with food. Um, I think those are some really key pieces and, you know, the only downside is you're going to improve your overall health anyway. So you might as well look at those things. If you're wondering about it, if you're missing a period, um, I think a big next step, especially if you're like, okay, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, I just, I don't know what to do. Um, I would see a functional medicine doctor or naturopath or seek some, um, support, like what you do as well, you know, guiding women through their nutrition can be a complete game changer. And that alone can do what you need to do. So finding some sort of support and especially someone who knows what HA is and, you know, how, how to better guide someone. So you're not getting the continuous runaround. Yeah. I love that. Especially the part about, you know, somebody who knows what HA is, because I think so many times people go to, you know, their, their reproductive endocrinologist who might've read about it in a book one time and, and they're not, you know, totally up to speed or like, 
I see a lot of people work with dietitians who don't really know what it is. And they're telling them to eat like 1800 calories and saying, oh yeah, your period should come back. And we know that that's not going to happen. So yes, an expert. And yeah, I love that you even brought up just like support because it's hard. You can spin your wheels for years. Like I know I did about, oh, is this really what's going on with me? Um, you know, or, or thinking about how hard the changes are going to be, but just getting that extra level of support, um, with the right physician, with a dietitian, with, Mm -hmm. you know, therapist, if, if stress is your main trigger, but, um, recognizing that. So that's super, super, super helpful. And, um, thanks so much for sharing all of your knowledge and your, wisdom through both your personal and professional experience with AHA. Dr. Naylor, can you tell us where we can find you? Let's say somebody's listening to this episode. They're like, that's who I need to work with. Um, what's the best way that, um, listeners can get in touch with you or reach out to you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Miranda Naylor. That's D-R-M-I-R-A-N-D-A-N-A-Y-L-O-R. You can spell my own name. <laughs> and then, yeah, and my website is drmirandanaylor.com as well. Um, so yeah. And I offer discovery calls too. There's like a free call. If people have questions, you know, if they don't know what they need or not, it can be a good way for us to just like touch base and see if we're a good fit too. Yeah. Perfect. Cause so much of it too, is finding the right person that, you know, helps you to feel understood and helps you to, you know, take that next step. So thank you Definitely. so much for your time and coming My on pleasure. today. You guys reach out to Dr. Naylor if you want to know more and thanks so much for listening today. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you found this episode to be inspiring or helpful, please share on social media and tag me at food.freedom.fertility. Also, don't forget to leave a rating and a review.